This is the Engineering Career Coach Podcast, the only podcast dedicated to helping engineers succeed in work and life. The show is hosted by engineering enthusiast Anthony Fasano and Chris Knutson. Both are professional engineers who found success early in their careers and now work together to help other engineers do the same. Now it's showtime. Hello, this is Anthony Fasano, and this is the show for engineers who want to succeed in both work and life. In today's episode, I'm going to answer some more of our listener questions, and we've got some interesting ones today on becoming more valuable to your company, which is something that is really all that matters in your career, quite frankly. So if you're listening to this, I promise you that you'll take something out of these questions regardless of where you're at in your engineering career. We also have an interesting question about combining different degrees or experiences like surveying and engineering together. Now, before we jump into the main segment of our episode, I'd like to take a moment to recognize our sponsor for today's episode, PPI. If you're thinking about taking the FE, PE, or SE exam, I recommend that you check out PPI, the leader in engineering exam prep. PPI is offering a special 20% discount to listeners of this podcast. Use promo code COACH at ppi2pass.com. Again, that's PPI, the number two, pass.com. And use the promo code COACH for a 20% discount. All right, so before we dive in here, there is the ability for you to ask questions on our website. If you go to engineeringcareercoach.com, there's a tab called Ask Us. It's hard for us at this point to respond to all of your questions by email, but we do put every one of them into a script for a future podcast Q&A episode, so we will be able to answer it in that form. So we're going to jump into this episode's questions. To take us in, here's a quote, which is, knowledge is power. Information is liberating. Education is the premise of progress in every society, in every family. And that's from Koffel Annan. Let's do it. All right, now it's time for the main segment of our show. We're going to tackle some listener questions. Here we go. First one, Bavin from New York, young engineering professional. I have a BS and MS in wastewater engineering. My passion, I worked for a year as an engineer too. I completed my PhD in paper and paper waste treatment. Worked for a company that makes those little trees you use in your car and did pretty well for them. I want to get back into my wastewater engineering field again and move near the city. I currently live in upstate New York. Being out of touch with wastewater, I'm having a tough time getting back in the field and need some help and advice. All right, Bob, and thanks for listening to the show. The first thing I would do is I would start simple. I would try to get into the field in any possible way that you can get into the field. And one way to help you is to take, it sounds like you've got some great experience working with this paper tree company. I would try to take that experience and package it in a way that it shows a wastewater company how valuable that you're going to be to them. So maybe it was high-level client correspondence, or maybe you were doing some managing, or maybe you were improved some processes that could transfer over to wastewater as far as, you know, that analytical thinking. Maybe you saved the company some money, which would interest a wastewater company. You just have to think of any way that you think that what you've learned in the tree company can help a wastewater company, you need to make them understand that. There are tons of wastewater companies in New York City. So if your goal is to get into New York City and get into wastewater, I would try pretty much everything I could possibly do in my power 
to get an internship or a very, I don't want to say a low position, but a starting position with a wastewater company. Now, the challenge for you is that you're going to have to, you know, New York City is expensive and getting probably a new position with a company is not going to pay a ton of money. So you're either going to have to live outside the city and commute or you're going to have to find a really, really inexpensive apartment. Maybe you could share with someone studio or something like that to try to make ends meet until you can advance yourself. All right. But once you get into the company in wastewater, at any level, you could build yourself up and then you can use kind of all the other tools that we talk about on our podcast. And you've got 125 plus episodes here that you can listen to, to start to grow once you get back into that industry. So it's a great question, Bobby, and I hope that my answer is helpful for you. All right. Next, We've got Ishan from Toronto, an engineering student. Thank you for inviting me to ask a question. I've been listening to your podcast for a while now, and I've greatly benefited from it. I am sure it will help me become a better engineer. Here's my question. As an engineering student, what is the best way to go about finding an internship if I am not from a top-tier university and have an average GPA? How should I go about contacting companies I am interested in? I am a third-year mechanical engineering student. Looking forward to your reply. Well, first of all, Ishan, thanks for listening and thanks for the question. Now, first, right off the bat, don't worry about this idea of not being part of a top-tier university. This is what you need to do. Craft a resume that shows the companies how you bring value to them, just like I mentioned in the last answer, okay? If you're bringing value to them, if they think they'll, you're going to bring value to them, they're going to take a chance on you for sure. And then you can shine. They're not going to be so concerned about the school name if they think that you can help them make more money. As kind of blunt as that sounds, it's the truth. Now, how do you do that? Well, you've got to talk about something about you, something about your character, something about you that's going to stand out. And they're going to say, man, this kid is different from other people. We need to take a chance on this person because of XYZ. So, one of the big things that could help you is any kind of extracurricular activities that you have. And if you don't have any, consider joining on to one of the engineering societies, taking a leadership role, anything that you can show them that makes you stand out from others. When I was interviewing engineers, I wasn't looking at the school or the GPA. I was looking at what made them different from other engineers. I was looking if they volunteered, if they had any kind of leadership experience, because I want a leader. I wanted leaders. I wanted people that were going to take things and run with them. And that's what I did. What I would also mention, Ishan, is use LinkedIn, even as a student, to start to build up relationships. If you're not familiar with how to use LinkedIn, I can give you three different resources you can go to to find them out. If you go to our website in engineeringcareercoach.com and you download, you put your name and email in and you download the videos, you could just click on the homepage and there's a button right there. You could put your name and email in and you'll get three videos. And the first one, will be specifically, you'll be able to specify for students that you want the LinkedIn video. That'll be very helpful for you. Secondly, on the same website, engineeringcareercoach.com, click on book. If you want to purchase my book, there's a, I talk about it in there quite a bit, about resumes, interviewing, etc. That could be a big help for you. And the third resource is, if you go over to our Civil Engineering Podcast, which is on the same website, or you can go to civilengineeringpodcast.com. I know you're a mechanical engineer, but we recently did a LinkedIn episode that will be helpful for you regardless of mechanical or civil on how to leverage LinkedIn. So those are three resources that you and anyone else out there looking to try to solidify a new job can use. All right, Ishan, I hope that was helpful. 
The next one is from Karen down in North Carolina. She's a recent graduate. Hello, my name is Karen and I'm in North Carolina. I'm a professional land surveyor who, seeking what I was hoping to be a greater challenge, went back to get my Bachelor's of Science in Civil Engineering. While in school, I decided to take a civil designer position at an engineering firm so I could concentrate on my studies and attend classes more easily. Now that I'm done with my BS, although I'm currently working on a master's online, I'm finding it very difficult to move past doing simple CAD work, and I've been stuck at civil engineer one position. I think because I got my degree much later in my career than most. I think I'm not taken seriously, which can be a big challenge. I'd like to figure out how to move forward in my career in general and determine how I can successfully incorporate my experience as a surveyor into my career as an engineer. All right, Karen, this is an awesome question. This is a great actual situation to be in for you. And I have some friends that were here as well. The best possible way for you to leverage your surveyor license or degree with your engineering degree is to start your own firm. And I know you might not be ready for that yet, but it's very rare. It's getting more and more rare to find professional surveyors these days. And to find one that has engineering and surveying is even super rare. So you're sitting on a gold mine there, whether you realize it or not, right? And you really need to leverage your uniqueness or your difference from everybody else or your advantage, which is the surveyor engineer combo. So if opening up your own surveying firm at this point in time is not doable for whatever reason, you can try to open a surveying department for a civil engineering firm that doesn't have surveying services. Just think about it this way. If you're a civil engineering company, and you offer civil engineering services. But whenever you have to do surveying work, you have to sub it out to another company. Just imagine you could do all that work yourself, what kind of value that is. That's the card that you're holding that you can bring to us, like a small civil company. You could almost double their revenue potentially if they had a surveyor in-house. My recommendation to you is try to open a department for an existing firm with the long-term idea of opening your own surveying company and learn whatever skills you need to now to do that. Business courses, finances, management. And I think if you do that, you'll have a very, very successful career as both an engineer and a surveyor. The next one is from Rajesh in India. He's an engineering student. Sir, I would like to establish a business in electronics and electrical engineering. Please give me any advice you can to start a successful venture. All right, Rajesh. I mean, that's something that I'm sure a lot of listeners are interested in starting their own business. I just gave a little advice in the last answer, but what I would recommend is that you try to find a mentor. Try to find someone who started a business in your field specifically, if you can, and learn from him or her. I mean, ask them questions, go out to lunch with them, ask them what you can do to learn from them. Maybe you can mentor them. Maybe you can shadow them. Maybe the best bet is to work for them right now. It's hard to just jump into starting and operating a business. You need to have contacts. You need to have a reputation. You need to have credibility. So my number one recommendation is to work on getting those things before you start to jump out there and start your own business. But once you have that, then you can go for it. But you really need to find a mentor of some sort a mentor, a guide, and that's going to be the best thing for you to do. All right. But what you will need, Rajesh, to start and run a successful company is you will need a lot of soft skills, a lot of the skills we talk about on the podcast. So be sure to go to engineeringcareercoach.com. You can go to the start here page and you can look through all of our content that we have organized by skill sets. 
So you should work on your networking skills, your communication skills, your leadership skills, and do a little work on your own skills so that you can build this business. All right, now we're going to tackle our last question for this episode. Then I'm going to come back to you in the Take Action Today segment. And I want to talk about a couple of the key points we mentioned here around delivering value. I know that's always something I really try to harp on because to me, it it means everything. So let's tackle this last question first, which is from Eugene in the United Kingdom. Hello, Chris and Anthony. Firstly, thank you for your podcast. It's incredibly helpful and insightful. I'm a recent graduate working in a high-tech engineering firm designing components for smartphones. Our revenue stream being royalties from licenses to use our technology. I am trying to identify how value is created in this company and how I can contribute to it. My question is, how would you approach the task of identifying and increasing value creation in technical work? Thank you. All right, so this is a wonderful question that Eugene brings up, and it's probably applicable for everybody listening to this podcast. So in this world of technical work that we work on, where you're designing plans, you could be designing drawings, plans, specifications, As a designer, as an engineer, how do you recognize where you're contributing value to the company and then how do you accentuate it, right? Or how do you realize what your value proposition is in this technical world? So let's break this down a little bit. I would recommend looking for the revenue sources to start with. So whatever your engineering company is, in Eugene's case, he's building applications for a phone. So their revenue he identified as the end user that's paying for the application. So the value that I would see, Eugene, in this is if you can increase the, either the number of people that download the app or the value of the app, which you can increase the price of the app, that's where there's a lot of value. So creating apps that are going to really stand out. I just bought an application a few months ago for my trip to Italy. It's an application that allows you to access maps offline. It was $10 in the app store. Now, I've never paid $10 for an app before, but think about the value of it. The value for me is that I'm able to access maps without my Wi-Fi in case it's not working in another country. I mean, safety, just making sure I got my family with me. I want to travel safely. So a lot of it, Eugene, for you, in your company is going to be increasing the dollar amount of your app or increasing the volume. And as far as a design engineer, I don't know how much you're going to be able to help with the volume increase, right? That's more probably of a marketing task. I think for you, you can think about ways to make an app so dynamic that the price point can increase. Now, another way to increase value is to increase the number of apps that they they build, right? So if they're building more apps, if you can increase their productivity and they're developing three applications a month instead of two, for example, then you're bringing them direct value in that. So the best way to do this, Eugene, is to look at the revenue source for your company, identify every single revenue source possible, and there's your value proposition. And again, if we go back to the question that we talked about a few questions earlier from Karen, who got her surveying degree and ended up getting her engineering degree, it's the same idea, right? If it's a civil engineering company and they're right now, the way that they make money is they're doing civil engineering design work. Now, all of a sudden, if you add surveying as another service, you're greatly increasing their potential earning power which is huge, which is very valuable. And what's even more valuable if you understand the way the civil engineering firm works is a lot of the projects need the surveying done first. So now if you have a project and you're able to secure it at the early on stages, you may be prone to number one, get more projects, but number two, retain the project after the surveying's done because it's already your firm. 
So this is a great question is to break down the revenue source and really think about the value proposition and how you can increase it. Eugene, thanks for listening to the podcast and thanks for asking the question. All right, so that wraps up the question part of it. I'm going to switch over to the Take Action Today segment and I want to talk a little bit more about this value proposition. I think it's really important. The show notes for today's show will be at engineeringcareercoach.com. Click on podcasts. All right, let's transition into the Take Action Today segment and close this one out. Now it's time for our Take Action Today segment of the show where we try to package up the info in the show to give you something you can walk away with and implement in your engineering or technical career. Today, I'm going to talk a little bit more about the value proposition. Maybe some of you could take this information and increase your salary immediately. But before I do that, I'd like to offer a word from today's episode sponsor, PPI. Engineers often ask me what exam prep materials or review courses they should use when preparing for the FE, PE, or SE exam. Hands down, I recommend PPI. I personally use PPI's materials to pass my exams, and I recently had a chance to demo their review courses online, which is why I feel so confident recommending PPI for those of you planning to take the next step in your career. PPI is offering a special 20% discount to listeners of this podcast. Use promo code COACH at ppi2pass.com. Again, that's PPI, the number two, pass.com and use promo code coach for a 20% discount. And I do ask you to support PPI as they are supporting us and keeping the podcast free. And they're helping us to create this avenue where you can go online, ask your questions, and we can answer them. So thank you so much to PPI. And if you're going to buy some books or resources around your exams, please utilize PPI and make sure to utilize the coach code when you check out at ppi2pass.com. All right, so back to this value proposition. Eugene asked a wonderful question that tied into multiple questions that we've had on this episode and other Q&A episodes, which is identifying the value that you bring to your company and how you can really capitalize and maximize on that. And what I would say again is we just talked about identifying the revenue source. I think that's great, but I think it's easy for someone like me to say who's got a lot of experience, but you may not be able to tackle it that easily yourself. So here's what I would recommend to you. Ask people. Go to your executives, your CEOs, your manager, and just say, listen, how can I create more value for this company? What can I do to create value for this company? And see what they say. I mean, this is stuff that is probably going to come out, maybe sound obvious, but you never know. You might hear something from your manager you never even thought of. He might say something like, if you came in 10 minutes earlier a day and you were an hour more productive a week, you'd probably add 20% to our bottom line or 10% to our bottom line if it's a small company. And you'd be like, wow, that's it? You just need a little more time for me? Or he might say, if you could take on managing clients, you would take a lot of stuff away from me and then I could do more profitable work. So I tried to answer Eugene's question the best I could, but the bottom line is, is everybody's got to find out from their company how they can be more valuable. You need to trace down that value path. That's your token to the best possible career you can have. I figured out in my career how I can provide value, and it's mostly through creating content for people. And once I figured that out, then I had a lot of opportunities. And I'm actually now writing a book on content creation because I figured out that that's one of the few things that I can do that's better than everybody else probably in the world, especially content for engineers. And I say that because that's what someone came to me and told me when they wanted me to do some work for them. 
And that was the light bulb that went off in my head that said, this is really my value. So I hope you can take this information, use it, leverage it, find the value proposition for yourself and maximize it in your engineering career. I hope you enjoyed the episode today. Would love to hear your feedback, comments, and or questions. Go to engineeringcareercoach.com. You can also click the Ask Us tab and leave a question for us for a future episode. We monitor all the comments on the post and we will respond if you leave us one. Until next time, please continue to engineer your own success. Thank you for listening to the Engineering Career Coach podcast. Be sure to visit engineeringcareercoach.com where you can find all past episodes and also download a free three-part video series created specifically for engineers to help you best utilize LinkedIn for networking, improve your communication and speaking skills, and also to help develop your leadership abilities. Now is the time to engineer your own success.